From Relay FM, it's Connected, episode number 26. Today's episode of Connected is brought to you by Hover, simplified domain management, automatic, drive safer, drive smarter, and PDF Pen Pro 7. Take control of PDFs on your Mac. My name is Mike Hurley, and I have the pleasure, as always, of being joined by Mr. Federico Vitici. Hi, Federico. Buonasera, Mike. Hello. Hi. And uh, howdy, Mr. Stephen Hackett. Hey boys, how you doing? I'm good. How is uh, how's Europe doing? Europe's good. Yeah, it's dark, but yeah, it's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's midnight. Um, so I guess do you it have, is. Do you have a uh, Stephen? Do you have snow in in Tennessee? Uh, no. Mm-hmm. Memphis maybe gets like an average of like an inch and a half a year or something. We get very little snow here. But mm-hmm. when we do, because we don't know what to deal with it, like everything shuts down and people like freak out because there's an inch of snow on the ground and they can't go anywhere or drive. Yeah. We're really wimpy compared to our friends in the Northeast. Somewhere Dan Morin is just like smashing his phone against the wall listening to this. But, um, <laughs> um, so, yeah. So, Michael, what about what about the, the UK? Um, do, do you get snow in the UK? Very similar to Memphis. Uh over the last few years, it has we have had snow. We've not had any this year, so I expect that there probably won't be any now because it usually has happened by now. But when we do get snow, like a snow that settles, like maybe a few inches or whatever, all of London closes. Um, it's just a disaster. <laughs> just closes. <laughs> There's always like uh, headlines in the news, like how many millions of pounds were lost in the economy because because mm-hmm. basically right. every business stops working except That's relay. Like- that's just twenty twenty dollars though, so no big deal. Is the dollar that strong? That doesn't feel yeah, right. Yeah. I yeah, wish. I, I wish. I wish yeah. the dollar was that strong. <laughs> it would work well for you. Oh, it would be great for me. I'm uh, like I'm I am now in that very small group of people in the UK that wants the dollar to get stronger than the pound. There's not yeah. it's there's not many of us. I am one of those people. So you guys remember last week I told you about the gladiator movie. And and uh, the guy that I that I knew uh, was in the movie. Right? He was the son. <laughs> he, was, he was the son of the of the gladiator of mm-hmm. Maximus. And uh, so I told you that his brother now is in a band. And so I was just watching the band on television because there's a in Italy we have this sort of um, national music contest, which is called the Festival of Sanremo. It's a it's a town in the north north of Italy. And so his brother was playing with his band uh, in, on television. That was pretty cool. We used to, like, when I was in high school and I was in my band, I'm sure, Mike, that you remember uh, my band. Uh, mm-hmm. Seniors. Yes. <laughs> you shared a couple of songs once. And so I used to play th- together with this guy. We would go to parties and we would, like, drink a little too much and, and then play guitar. And so now the guy's on television and I'm on relay talking to Mike and Steven. Um, Quite a different roads we we taken. Was that in the show last week or was that after the show? I can't remember. I, I don't know. I think I was on the show. I to, I asked you about the the name of the Maximus. Guy. Yeah. No, I know we were talking about it as the three of us. I just can't remember if it's in the episode. Like I, I also I also after. I watched the Gladiator on on TV. It's still a still a great movie. Good still stuff. A movie. Let's yeah. do some follow up. Uh, the follow-up is short this week. I think that we broke everyone's hearts when we ended the old show notes or browsers in an old 
show notes. Oh, good grief. You know, the thing that we did, well, the people... We finished show notes, if I remember. Yeah, we, we, yeah we show notes are done. Killed them. And browsers don't exist anymore. Although it was funny, uh, even throughout last week, like people who hadn't listened to the show yet, like we got yeah, some more emails and like tweets like, no, this that's done. Um, but we do have a couple pieces of follow-up we want to we talk about. Um, the first one's not really so much follow-up, but sort of like a, a shout-out. Follow out. out. Um, follow out, remember? This is I'm how not, it works. I'm not familiar with that show. We follow up um, on previous shows. We follow out the things that are unrelated to other shows. We're, sounds, we're working with this. We've got to, we've got to adopt this. This can be our this thing. Is a new, this is a new terminology. This You've not been listening to Upgrade. Yes, it is. I told you that I, I don't listen to podcasts. And not I thought you were going to say I don't listen to Upgrade. I was like, oh, <laughs> no, life in no, the I heart. Don't listen, don't listen to podcasts much because I just don't have the time. Just That's too okay. many podcasts. I talk to you directly. I don't need to listen to you much. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay then. Sorry, I, no, I'm just behind. Come on, don't give me a hard time for this. No, it's okay. Uh, basically, oh. basically, Jason coined Jason coined a term for uh, if you are talking about a podcast that is not. Mm-hmm. Uh, your podcast and you're either and you're like following up on that show uh, we call it follow out because it's out to another show it's got nothing to do with us but we're talking about it anyway it has mm-hmm. something to do with you it does have something because to do with me. yesterday you were on mac break weekly episode 441 i was imagine that it's crazy mm-hmm. i remember like i don't know like 2006 2007 like early on listening to mac break weekly and now you're on it, which is super cool. It's a great episode. I finished it up this morning. Good. Thank uh, you. Yeah, your your face looks great on video, Mike. Thank you. Uh, especially we, the the beard we... looks amazing. Oh, it was trimmed. I went and had it professionally trimmed, not for that show, but I did have it trimmed. Fancy, nice. It's very. I nice. like it. I like you, Mike. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> you look great on video. Thank you, buddy. It's genuine opinion. I'm a. I'm a video netcast reviewer, so recording video shows. I mean, I've done a couple um, now. Uh, it's very different. It's very, very different. There's so many things that you have to think about and do that you don't usually have to think about or do. You know, mm-hmm. it, it, yeah, because you you never like you never know when the camera is going to be on you. Like it yeah. just is. Like you know, like all of a sudden, there you're you you can see yourself because you see the feed. Like they they give you back the feed in Skype, um. But you kind of like you're never a hundred percent. Like you know, you never know if you're gonna if you're gonna see. It. It's very it's very weird. Video is very weird. It totally changes things as well. Um, yeah, just very peculiar. But it's enjoyable. I like I like doing it when I do it. But I don't want to do it for any of my shows. Right. I mean, because normally you podcast, people might not know this, but you podcast in like a, a speed skating suit. I'm like, actually wearing an ATP t-shirt right now. What? Mm-hmm. Why? Why would you? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, so people should go check it out. Uh, the link is in the show notes, which can be found in any modern browser uh, at a URL that Mike will now describe. Uh, you can go to relay.fm slash connected slash 26 where you will find the link for Mac Break Weekly episode 441 which is insane 441 <laughs> so, so crazy so uh, connected 26? is my connected is my same age this week it's 26 Ray. Um, yeah Ray. We're, we're in in about 10 episodes it's gonna be your same age Stephen. 
So I just turned 29 like two weeks ago. <laughs> I just want to check this now. We are basically almost two years in and you're still telling this fake story about your birth. In <laughs> oh. <laughs> Episode one of Mac Break Weekly was on August 12th, 2006. That's before Holy the moly. iPhone. Wow. That's yeah, yeah. Well, That's when I like remember, iPod rumors were big. I remember listening to the show like leading up to, and then after like the iPhone was released. That was when Merlin was on the show. Yeah, man, it's wow. crazy. Nice. Um, we talked a little bit last week about Microsoft and they their new Outlook app, which of course uh, is actually another app that they acquired. Uh, and there was rumor that broke right, I think it was right before we recorded, that they had purchased Sunrise. And today, uh, Microsoft and the Sunrise uh, development team confirmed it. So, um, Federico, you're, you seem excited about this. I am, because, I mean, Microsoft is, is clearly late to mobile devices in general. So, but they've been trying to catch up. You know, they do, um, they, they're do. they doing Office on smartphones and tablets now. They have integrations with Dropbox. They do. Uh, they bought a company and they turn it into a free Outlook app that works with all email services except IMAP. So um, they've been trying to, uh, you know, to kind of have the same level of basic functionality of competitors in this space. And now... Sunrise is a great, great calendar app for uh, multiple platforms. That's really the point. They're not trying to, they're not buying Fantastical. They're not trying to buy iOS-only apps. They want to buy uh, cross-platform stuff because they need to, you know, they need to do apps for iOS and Android, so it makes sense. Sunrise is a great calendar app. It's got integrations with uh, third-party services like Todoist, Evernote, uh, Foursquare, Twitter, Soundkick, Asana, if anybody uses that. Uh, there's a bunch of, uh, there's a, something they call the Sunrise platform where you can, if you, if you have an API, you can make sure that your service shows up in Sunrise. So they bought this calendar service that has vision for a calendar that shows you uh, more stuff than just, you know, calendar events. And I think it's smart for Microsoft to buy, I mean, because clearly at this point they need to, they either come up with stuff of their own quickly or they buy something that is that already exists and that it's pretty good. Mm-hmm. And they're they're buying great apps. So I think that's a, at least they're spending their money right. That's my argument. So smart. They, no, this this yeah. this this is what like um, Marissa Maya did when she went to Yahoo. Like it's that you know don't exactly, spend yes. millions of dollars and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of man hours, thousands of man hours. Just buy. Like you've got the money. Just just buy small teams because you get good apps and you get really smart people that made those apps that can help drive the products. Like. It's genius. It's genius. Like uh, it's not like an incredibly complex strategy, but I think it's an, a very, very effective one. Because if you buy apps like Accompli that are already well respected and don't do too much to them, you then become Microsoft with a well respected app, like on iOS. Like yeah. you know, I think the, the the problem they're actually starting to face now is the apps on iPhone and Android are probably better than the ones on Windows. Like the Outlook yeah. app on iPhone is probably better now than the Outlook app on the Windows phone. 
I'm I'm not I'm not sure. Uh, is there going to be a Sunrise app for Windows Phone? Well, I don't is think there... it will be called. I think that it will form part of Out, Outlook. I suppose what they're planning on doing here, right? I mean, have they said because they didn't keep a Compli a Compli, did they? They rebranded. Mm, nope. It. Yes. So and I, it became Outlook. So they I don't um, know. They might call it Microsoft Calendar or, or something like that, or Outlook Calendar, because Outlook is a calendar and email app. Yeah. Technically, that's my my question also in the, in the in the small link that I put on Mac Stories. Uh, is there going to be because there's a calendar view in Outlook in the Outlook app for iPhone and iPad. So is there going to be some sort of integration between Outlook and Sunrise? It's going to be called Outlook Calendar or just Calendar for Outlook? They may. The brand looks confusing. I don't know. They may oh. just they may just no longer be a Sunrise app and like the, the functionality might be rolled into the Outlook app. That's yeah, that's but, my thought. Um, probably, yeah. I mean, it's like I mean, it's you can have like a calendar app inside Outlook, and then a, another one. Like I don't know. I think I think we're gonna see sunrise as we know it today sort of go away and exist. So that's a filter inside. back up. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. Maybe yeah, maybe yeah. they just wanted really smart calendar people. Yeah, um, you know, I think it's good. I, I agree with you, Federico. That I think Microsoft is doing some smart stuff, but I want to, I want them to. Um, like I want to see the, how this plays out long term. Like they're doing some good stuff right now on iOS, but um, you know when Google for, when Google first started with the Gmail app and the Maps app and stuff, you know they weren't super great, and now they're actually for the most part pretty good. Um, it took them a little time to get there, so uh, I'm curious if Microsoft will take that same uh, that same path where you could be using a lot of Microsoft apps and services on iOS and still feel like a like a first class citizen. Uh, I hope I hope they do. I think it's good to have options, and I think they, uh, like we talked about last week, they just need to really sort of recapture the consumer base that they've lost in in the mobile space. So, yeah, we'll see. Yeah, what I'm interested in seeing is like if they go the Google route. Like, you now feel like you're using good iOS apps, but not but iOS apps that don't feel like iOS apps. Do you know what I mean? Like when Google first started out with their iOS apps, like they felt like what what the iOS apps at the time, but now they do feel and look more like Android apps on iOS, even though, yeah. you know, they've got that, they've got a totally different design language. And I wonder if we'd see Microsoft going down that route because Microsoft visually for their own platforms have a very different design. And I wonder if like they want to get in now, but like as we move down the road, I wonder if it will change. I don't think that's a bad thing because I actually really like the material design and I like the way that they've brought that over to to iOS, except the background on Chrome for iOS, the, the weird background. I don't know why it's there. I know why it's there, but it looks weird. Um, but I like the way that Maps looks and stuff like that. So I'm interested to see how if Microsoft keep their own visual identity and like move that into these apps or if they're happy to keep them separate. I wonder about the end game here, uh, because Google on iOS, they can make apps, and even if you don't buy an Android device, Google is fine because they're just okay. You use my apps, and I get your data, I collect your personal information, and I make money anyway. But Microsoft, what is it? What do they want to do? Because they have fine iOS apps at this point, uh, and I'm not buying Windows Phone devices. And by me, I I refer to the user in general. Um, I don't want to buy Windows Phone devices. I like Microsoft's apps on iOS. Um, But am I supposed to pay for 
Microsoft services at this point? Is this what they want, how they want to use the apps for to make me pay? Or do they want to collect personal information about me? Because information doesn't seem to be uh, Microsoft's business in the way that it, that it is for Google. No. So is this a way to make me pay for Office, to make yeah. me pay for OneDrive? Okay. I think, um, I tell you, I think it's, I think it's either to have you personally want to pay for Office or for you to continue to be happy using Microsoft products in your workplace. So, like, Hmm. basically, Microsoft either needs to sell it to you or they need to sell it to your employer. And if, again, we go down the bring-your-own-device route because people want to use their own devices because they're not happy with the other software and services that they're using, maybe Microsoft products. So if they can try and change that and they can make you happy to use Microsoft products, either you buy Word for yourself or you're happy to use it at work. That's that's the way I see it or what, what I think is, is there, you know, because they are saying now they are using the term Windows as a service. That's what they see themselves moving towards like they are a service provider you know they do you think microsoft can make money from personal users who don't need apps in the workplace who just work for you know they just use apps personally i think so don't i think so i don't i don't think any of their current apps are the apps that would do that i think they need to think about some different things but if Microsoft can continue to sell to the workplace, that's all they need to do to make a ton of money. Because every business in the world, right? You know, yeah. they pretty much every single business should or will come into an, a point in their time where they will need Office. I had to buy Office within like two weeks of starting Relay because we received a contract in in the uh, Microsoft Office document file, like the, in Word. You know, so it's like, well, there's nothing I can do about it. If I need to, I need to keep the formatting of this document. So, I bought Office. No, oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, I'm using Outlook every day. I keep yeah. Office on my iPad because I need Excel for how it uh, creates charts and graphs. I'm just wondering. I'm not paying Microsoft any money. I don't think they're collecting. I mean, they are collecting data about me, but they don't show me ads or whatever. I don't use Bing. I don't use Outlook websites or that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm just wondering if they, I mean, because the, the the app strategy needs to change, I guess, at some point. Because I'm, again, they have they have Dropbox features. So I, I'm not supposed to pay for OneDrive because I can just use Dropbox. Um, so I wonder if maybe down the road they will add more paid features to like to yeah. Outlook uh, to to entice me to pay more as a personal user instead of as a business owner as or as a team manager, you know? Yeah, I agree. Or there'll be something where it'll be like, "This is great, but if you use if you use OneDrive rather than Dropbox, you'll get X, mm-hmm. Y, and Z, yeah. which is more awesome." And then you'll be like, yeah. "This makes sense." But yeah, yeah. Anyway, we got lots to cover today. <laughs> that was yes. Just, <laughs> I don't know where that topic came from. Um, let's take a quick break. Thank our first sponsor this week. Uh, I want to take a moment to thank our friends over at Automatic. Automatic is a connected car adapter. It plugs into your car's diagnostic port, the one that your mechanic uses. Every single car since 96 has one of these. And then what it does, Automatic will pair to their free iPhone app and it connects your car to the internet. The advantage of this is stuff like I've spoke about this before. You can uh, have all of your trips logged for you. That can help you out with things like 
gas mileage and things like that. It can help you locate your car. It can help you do things like if your check engine light comes on, it can explain to you in plain English what's going on. It can allow you to also clear those lights as well right from your phone. But today, I want to focus on another feature of Automatic that's super important. I spoke with the guys at Automatic yesterday, um, and they said, you know, we have this thing, we have a story. Um, would you like to share it with your listeners? And they told me the story, and I do. So for the sake of privacy, we're going to call this guy John. Uh, John is an Automatic user. And last October, this is a true story, he was driving his Honda Accord on a rural country road, and he had to swerve to avoid hit, hitting a deer. Um, John was maybe going a little bit too fast when he made the maneuver, and he had to overcorrect as he was swerving. It then caused his car to spin out and flip multiple times, eventually coming to a stop upside down as the car had landed on its roof. His automatic, which he obviously had plugged in as being a user, detected what had occurred and immediately contacted the emergency services. They were able to dispatch teams to his exact location within a minute as the automatic could tell the emergency services exactly where the car was located. Luckily, John managed to avoid any serious injury. He was just scraped and bruised and a bit bashed up, but his car was completely totaled. And as you can imagine, John continues to be a loyal automatic customer today with his new car. So... I wanted to tell you this story to kind of highlight something that I've kind of mentioned in passing in previous weeks is that it can, you know, it can contact emergency services for you. But for $99, if it can do that, I feel like you should kind of just have one. Like if this is a situation that you can be helped in, like if you flip over multiple times and land on the roof of your car, you know, obviously, I don't want that to happen to anyone. But for $99, I think that this is maybe something you should think about if you haven't. It seems like it could get you out of a pretty sticky situation. Like, this is the power of having your car connected to the internet. Like, I just thought it was a fantastic story, and I wanted to share it with you. You can order an automatic right now for just $99.95. There are no subscription fees or any other hidden charges, and we have a special deal for you. If you go to automatic.com slash connected, you can get 20% off an automatic, bringing the total down to just $80. It ships in two business days for free, and has a 45-day return policy if you're not happy. So go to automatic.com slash connected, give it a shot. If you don't like it, you can return it, but I think you're going to love it. Thank you so much to Automatic for sponsoring this show and all of Relay FM. All right. Topic zero this week is a computer I have sitting next to me. That is not, as you might mock me for endlessly, a some sort of uh, old Power Mac with weird ports on the back. It's mm. not that. Okay. Um, Oh, we could do that. We could do like old Mac of the Week. No, one no, 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 no. Please um, go ahead. So, <laughs> <laughs> please, please, no. <laughs> please, please don't talk about that. Whatever um, you do, please don't do this stuff. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we, we, maybe like a month ago, we talked about the Chromebook a little bit, and uh, we set a challenge out that I would use a Chromebook for uh there was some disagreement but sort of roughly like internet work stuff so relay stuff and some 512 stuff on it um so i kind of i had a few thoughts about the chromebook in general and about the one i have here and then the chat room who's listening live has asked some questions that i'm going to answer and then very uh sort of threateningly in the show notes someone has written federico has questions so 
I, I wrote that myself. I yeah. talked about myself in third person in the show notes. <laughs> yeah. Well, you have to because you don't know who said it. Just uh, says, I have so, questions. <laughs> I yeah. like that one. <laughs> so the uh, uh, so I have been using the uh, Acer C720, which is like two hundred bucks on Amazon Prime. Pretty hard to argue with that. A uh, little eleven point six inch computer, so kind of like you know MacBook Air sized. Um, it's been really, it's been really interesting for some reasons that I didn't um, really foresee. So the the general kind of, if you're not familiar, a Chromebook is basically a laptop with like the Chrome browser attached to it. That's really about it. It it has local storage. As you can download things to it, and you can it, it does a lot of cool stuff with Google Drive. Just keep that offline if your internet connection goes out and that sort of thing. But more or less, it is a browser hooked up to a keyboard, which is a little weird. Um, you know, we've spoken a lot in the past about sort of our love of um, like native applications, and, and I definitely would much prefer to using something like Mail App over gmail on the web and especially if you have like multiple accounts and everything doing that all in the browser is strange but in saying that it's important like i am not an average user by any stretch of the imagination i think most people i see with even with macs like they're opening up their macbook air and they're going to chrome and they're doing everything in chrome and for that sort of user a chromebook actually is a really interesting product because it it kind of gets to the heart of what how a lot of people are using their computers these days. You know, Chrome, the browser, is very OS-like for a lot of people because they're doing everything in it. And so it's not a huge jump to see, um, you know, to see how you could live with something like this if you're that sort of user. Um, there are a couple of things that, I, that, I, that I've missed. Um, the two big ones are Text Expander and 1Password. Uh, that uh, two utilities that I rely on on my Mac to make me work faster. Um, Text Expander, especially like when I'm writing, have I have a lot of like markdown stuff and things I can do very quickly, and I have to do all that manually without it. And it's not that it's a deal breaker, but it's it, it slows me down. Um, I have an incredible amount of muscle memory devoted to Text Expander. Like, oh, me too. It's only when I notice I quit the app accidentally or something, and I'm like, I tap something, I'm like. It's broken. Like some, I like some. All I know is something's broken. Like I can't immediately work out what it is. It's like, oh, hmm. <laughs> but yeah, yeah. Uh, one password does have. I think one password with Dropbox, and they do have something called One Password Anywhere. There's a link to the show notes where you can actually get to your One Password. You log into Dropbox and you go to this this URL. Um, I have Dropbox uh with two factor authentication turned on so I feel a little bit better about about having that enabled. Um so I can like open one password in a tab in Chrome and copy passwords out. Not great, not nearly as integrated uh as it is on the Mac or even on Windows. And and that's one password is an example of like sometimes it's a little weird that the Chrome extension doesn't work, but because this syncs with Chrome on my computer, it the plugin is there. So occasionally I get like a warning saying the plugin is not working, but I can't disable it because then it would disable it on my Mac as well because Chrome syncs all that stuff. Uh, so there's a little like weird edge cases, but all in all, things things work pretty well. So one password um, anywhere, you're accessing it in like via a web view. You're not. Yeah. Okay. So you can still yeah. get to the stuff, but it's just nowhere near as useful. Right. 
Um, so the the C the Acer C seven twenty it's super fast. The thing the thing boots up in like four seconds. I mean it's it's really unbelievable. Uh, the keyboard's not bad for an eleven inch machine. It's it's not as good as an Apple keyboard. The trackpad's not as good as an Apple trackpad. But it's for t- it's the best like two hundred dollar keyboard and trackpad I've ever used. Um, battery life is just incredible. I think because it is basically just a web browser. I don't think the the OS. It's well power hungry, um, but I mean routinely over eight hours of battery life on it easily, uh, if not more, more so than I, than I read in the in the reviews. Um, it's still a two hundred dollar computer. It still feels like a two hundred dollar computer in some ways, but it's it's not as bad as you would think. It's not like using like some old cruddy netbook. It's it's definitely a step up from that experience that you may have had, you know, four or five six years ago when netbooks were kind of a thing. Um. So I have chat room questions. You guys want me just to go through these? Yeah. I don't want to like monologue, but no, no. Um, I only pulled, I pulled out five or six. So the first one is, did you install Crouton? Um, so Crouton is a sort of, uh, I guess it's a package. And a couple of links in the show notes where the C720, as with a lot of other Chromebooks, you can install uh, Ubuntu on them pretty easily. Uh, there's even some packages where you can install like Chrome OS and Linux, like you can dual boot or that you can even run at the same time and like flip between them. So you can be in Chrome OS and slide over to Linux and do something. Um, I have that set up. It's, it's a little nuts. I haven't been in Ubuntu a lot, but if you need something, uh, for instance, like sublime text, like there's not a native text editor for Chrome OS and there's some markdown stuff on the web, but it's sort of janky. So if you need like a couple native apps, you can, uh, you can go through these, insane steps and and run linux on this thing um let's see what else are web apps as responsive as native apps i mean it's very similar to how it is on the mac the answer is no um i will say that chrome itself feels very fast on the machine but you're still working in web apps and i think web apps for the foreseeable future will be slower than native uh applications um have you experienced any bugs with audio or video tearing or anything like that? Uh, YouTube and stuff works fine. I haven't had any issues with lag on the machine. Like even on, um, like 1080p YouTube stuff, it's been it's been rock solid. No problems there at all. Um, can you do audio video stuff? Can you podcast on a machine like this? Not that I've discovered. Um, again, you're basically using the a browser, and so, you know you don't have the sort of flexibility you have with sort of a air quotes, you know, full operating system. Uh, you could probably do it on the Linux side, but again, like out of the box, I don't think you could podcast on a, on a Chromebook. Um, that could change quite soon. I know there's like the weird web thing that someone's working on. There's, but... a, there's a few of them. Yeah. And, and it's possible like the way the Chrome, like Chrome would still enable that. I think even on a Chromebook, uh, you would still be able to do it. So, that there is a potential that stuff like that could change in the near future, I think. Yeah, so, you know, maybe. Um, at this point, though, I don't think you could because Skype is, is stuck in a Chrome tab. Um, can your yeah, iPhone this, 5 this pull- doesn't connect via Skype, though. Yeah, no, I know, I know. Yeah. But currently, the answer I, I think is no. Um Can you write articles for 512 pixels? Uh, yes, I've done several in Google Docs. But it is, um, you know, not as good as something like Byword. 
because uh, it doesn't do any of the markdown stuff natively. I don't have any of the text expander stuff to like bring in a a link and wrap it correctly and do that sort of thing. So I can. It's just a little bit slower. And then someone asked what the touchscreen is like. This is not the touchscreen model. There is one that is a touchscreen, but I don't like in using a, like it's like you, again, it's using Chrome. Like Chrome on the Mac, Chrome on this thing look the same. Like I don't think a touchscreen would be super helpful. Um, a lot of the UI is is small, at least on this the screen resolution. So I feel like it could be a little frustrating to deal with the touchscreen. Um, but I haven't had firsthand experience with it. So now we come to the part that's Federico has questions. So um, I want to know, does this get updates uh, when the real Chrome, I guess, for uh, computers is is updated? Does it get the same update cycle? Um, did, did you see updates for Chrome OS? Yes, I've seen I've seen a couple updates. Uh, I've had this thing maybe a three or four weeks. I've seen a couple updates. Um, it basically just gives you a little alert in the bottom, and you click on it, and it reboots. Uh, the The Chrome version is a little bit different than what's on the Mac, um, so it's, it seems like to be maybe a different branch, but it's definitely updated frequently. Um, seems to be at least. And what, what's cool about it is you can actually there's actually um, a website, I don't have it handy, but you can download a recovery image and put it on a USB key. So you can like wipe this thing and reformat it and all just like you can uh, kind of a normal computer. Mm-hmm. So in general, I, I want to know, um, do you think that most people would uh, like a computer like this instead of a PC or a Mac or an iPad? For others, uh, do, would you recommend this computer to to other people? I think if budget is your primary concern, I would say yes. I think if you've got a thousand dollars to spend, I would say buy a MacBook Air because you get all the benefits of everything you can do in Chrome plus all the native applications and sort of a you know mature operating system. You know, there's been there's been articles recently about Chromebooks and education really taking off, and maybe even at the iPad's expense. I think that is definitely a place where Chromebook can really shine because they're they're cheap. If it gets smashed, it's not a huge deal. Um, everything's web based, so if it if it gets wiped or you get a different one, you just log into it and all your stuff's there. So I think if you're if you're on a budget or if you're in that sort of environment, I think it's a, a at the very least a really good alternative to an iPad if you don't want a tablet. I, I would not say that it is better for the work that I do than an iPad. I don't think it is, but I could see for, for a segment of the population, maybe even a big segment at the very least, it's a viable contender, a weird contender. But again, I don't, maybe I'm maybe even different from you guys in this, but I don't do a lot of work in the browser. Like even like posting to five twelve, which is on Squarespace, I'll write and by word and do everything and then just copy it into Squarespace. I don't do a lot of work in a browser tab, most days. And so for me, that's been weird, but I think I'm in the minority there. I could do an incredible amount of, of what I do with with a Chromebook. Like, obviously, except for the recording, uh, which is obviously extremely important. Um, so much of what I do is in Google Docs, and I do it in the browser. So I would be pretty okay, I think. I don't want to do that, but I could. Well, there's yeah. a question, I guess, 
could you survive or would you like working like that? Because those are two different things. Yes, you They're could two survive. Massively different things. Yes, I agree. <laughs> you could you could survive. You could. I mean, I could work for Mac Stories. I could. I don't know. Use the email in the browser and then write in some Markdown web app and then you know use other use Slack in the in the browser. It would be pretty limiting. I I wouldn't like or love working like that. I think. I don't know. There's no, there's no iMessage for the web, which is kind of a problem. Yeah. Um, I could survive. Say that my MacBook Pro was in the shop for a week. I could get by on this. I wouldn't love it. Uh, I wouldn't reach for this if my MacBook Pro from my iPad were available. But for getting by, I could definitely do it. It's, it wouldn't be my first choice, though, by any stretch. Any blasting for any like parting faults on it, Stephen? Uh, I mean, I think I think my overall thought is that I think Chrome OS and, and maybe even the Acer C720 in particular, but but Chromebooks, I think are a lot more. Uh, I can see how they're more attractive than I initially thought. Like I can see why so many people, um, like use them. Uh, especially in education, but I could see how these things could take off in a way that uh, I didn't understand before. And again, it comes back to that. Uh, a lot of people just use their browser and, and this isn't a bad experience for that at all. So I, I'm, I'm, and I'm not switching to it, like, but I am more impressed than I thought I would be. And um, I, I will admit I went into it pretty jaded and it's, it's been, it's been um, uh, pretty enlightening little experiment do you think you're impressed because it proves that some apps can work only as browser versions or are you impressed because it's it's genuinely a good computer like i want to understand is the like do you get the feeling that yeah it's good for a browser or like yeah it's a, a good computer it's a good os like I still struggle I, yeah. to understand Chrome OS's concept. Why does it need to prove a point? You know, it, it sort of sounds I, like I don't. I don't wa- think it's about proving a point. I think it's that a lot of people don't need all the overhead that we deal with every day, and that for a segment, you know, probably a growing part of the consumer population, this meets their needs. Not to say that it really competes with OS X or even Windows. I don't think it does. I mean, side by side, the spec sheets are hilarious. But I think there is a a certain type of person who maybe is maybe not too computer savvy or is super budget constricted or just doesn't need the the, the weight of something like, like Mac OS X or Windows. And for that sort of person, I think it. I think if you're in that category, I think it is a good computer. Is it a good computer compared to my two thousand dollar MacBook Pro? No, but that doesn't mean it can't meet the needs of a, a segment of the population just because I don't fit into it very cleanly. Does that, does that make sense? I don't know if yeah. I answer, actually answered your question. Um, so I think it just depends on your needs, and I think it's if you're on the low end of the market, I think it's a really it's a, it's a if I choose between this, a $200 Chromebook and a $400 Windows laptop, if that was sort of my two decisions, a Mac wasn't in the equation and an iPad wasn't in the equation, I think if you're in that 
sort of decision-making process, and a lot of people are, then I think that this is a really good alternative. I think that's great. I think there needs to be choice and not just at the high end where we live, but um, at all in all brackets of the market, I think there should be choice. And I think Google's done that. Did you use Google Now on it? I did not. Well, so, so let me take that back. So that is sort of built into the menu bar, but I don't, since I don't use Gmail day to day, like it's, and some of that stuff is not as helpful for me because I use iCloud for my personal stuff, which has been a little limiting, I think, in my experimentation. But, um, you know, it knows like basketball games and stuff. It kind of pops up and that's, that's helpful, but I don't think I get the full benefit of it because I'm not in the Google ecosystem with my personal data day to day. This week's episode of Connected is also brought to you by our friends over at Hover. Hover is our favorite place to buy and manage domain names. I see Stephen was were re-registering or renewing a domain today from Hover.com. Is that correct, Stephen? That is correct. They sent me an email and I said, yes, I would like to renew that. It's great. You, so can, you, can you share with the listeners the, the URL that you renewed? Cool world's greatest podcast.com okay great uh, i've been getting a lot of uh, renewal notices from hover recently and i wondered why and it's because of when me and matt used to register domains on hover every week on bionic so i've been getting like oh man all these things can you can, can you share some of these i can't <laughs> even remember like just weird stuff lots about lots of volcano related things anyway Hover, that just goes to say, Hover is the place to go if you're buying a domain name for something serious, something silly, play a joke on a friend. It doesn't matter because they have all the domain options that you're going to want. They have .com, .co, .me. They also have like .plumbing, .academy, you know, .coffee, anything. All of those crazy ones, you can get all of those as well. Um, They have them all there. Uh, If you want to go and, and take a look, at hover.com you just go to their site hover.com and you type in the phrase that you're looking for or type in some keywords and they're going to show you a lovely long list of, of all the things they have available they're going to use their very clever uh, domain name robots to suggest some things maybe if the domain's not available to suggest some some uh, different variations on that to help you try and find the thing that you really want to look for when you're trying to name a project like naming projects naming websites naming companies is a really hard thing to do and these days you need to have a good domain and you don't after you're spending hours and hours and hours trying to think up a name for your new project your company you want to be able to just go and register it as quickly as possible and that's what hover allows you to do they allow you to see if it's available if it is you can get to the checkout screen in just a few clicks you're not looking through lists and lists and lists checking boxes unchecking boxes to make sure you don't buy the extended double platinum gold warranty you know, you're not getting any of that. They just keep it nice and clean. They just give you what you need and nothing more. They have who is privacy for free of all of their domains. You can, if you want to set up email stuff with them as well, you can do that, but they don't bully you into doing it. They have great customer support. They have a no hold, no wait, no transfer telephone support. They have great email support too. They have great guides. They've just got the whole lot. I love Hover because they're easy to use. They're a great company and they're no mess. So what you want to do is go to hover.com right now and use the code intersection at checkout and you'll get 10% off (laughs) your first purchase at hover.com and show your support for this show. So it's code intersection. 
<laughs> let's hop over at the intersection of good domain names and easy to do it. Thank you so much to Harbour for sponsoring this week's show. Oh, that's great. So, again, we haven't really talked about photo management before, but we're going to try it out. Okay. So we record this show on Wednesdays, as you know. Last week on Thursday, um, photos... The, the new uh, iPhoto aperture replacement for OS X shipped to developers. So this is part of 10.10.3, which is not um, public yet. Um, it's to developers only, to members of the Yosemite beta testing Appleseed program, that sort of thing. Uh, coming later this year, it'll be in public beta, I think, for a while. Anyways, um, it's here. You can play with it if you're in one of those... Cha- if you're in one of those... Um, programs and i think uh at least a couple of us have played with it a little bit and it's uh it's here and it's shiny and a couple of us means you and mike usually no i haven't i haven't touched it i thought i've played with it i haven't i i have my icloud for library just on ios oh because i I didn't want to download (laughs) i didn't want to download the beta because then what if it breaks skype and and mike is angry and, and oh yeah i just went i just went for it um i had a bootable backup first don't worry i did it yeah correctly. that's too much um so it's here i guess i mean very quickly there's a link um on apple's website so this is really funny this came right on the heels of people like freaking out that apple had removed it from its website clearly it was in preparation for this page going up and in my like brief testing, at least it it basically does what it's supposed to do. So you it it, it works much better than iPhoto, guys. It's it's crazy fast. Like I I don't know how many my MacBook Pro is in my back, but I've seen I don't... some uh ver- like the Verge had a preview along with a couple of other sites, and they had yeah. some videos, and they were showing like how quickly it scrolls, and and I was I was presently pleasantly surprised to see that. Yeah, because iPhoto just really fell down once you got a really big library. And so it it photos can kind of work in one of two modes, more or less. You can run it just locally with your files, or you can turn on um, iCloud photos. And at that point, it syncs your photos up to iCloud, and you can view them all on your devices no matter where you are. So I have this turned on on my iPad and you know my out my test albums are all synced to my iPad, uh, not as quickly as I thought they would be. But I think, you know, I did this on like day one or day two, and I think it, it, they're still sort of ramping up. But um, the photos are all there. If I edit them in one place, the edits show up elsewhere. So if I take a picture of Federico and Mike and I make it black and white on my iPad, when I come back to my computer, that picture is in black and white. And so it's. It's much more seamless than it is currently where you you take iPhoto or, you know, like we all three use Dropbox. If you take those photos and sync them over to your device, they're sort of view only. And now you can edit them and it's more of a, um, uh, you know, Steve Jobs said the truth is in the cloud. That sort of, of thought that all of your devices are an equal playing field. I think that's great if you're if you're heavy on iOS. But I'm I'm a little I'm a little worried, guys. All right, tell me. So, the the if you look at iTunes Match, which is sort of similar to this, right, where you have local files and you have files in the cloud, and you can sync them and you can remove your local files, but they're still in the cloud, and you can re-download them. 
you know, iTunes Match is, is pretty similar to this, but iTunes Match and iTunes, for all of its problems, I think does a pretty decent job at explaining to the user where their file is. So if it's in iCloud or in iTunes Match and not locally, you get a little cloud icon. You can download them. You can remove them. It's very clear. If you delete an image, say, hey, do you want to take this off iCloud as well? And at this point, Photos doesn't have much of that. And there's a lot of language in the in the settings in Photo of like, store everything on your Mac, which is what I think most people will should do at least. And then it's, hey, um, I want to preserve, you know, uh, keep, uh, I forget the settings. Says. Something along the lines of like, keep an eye on my local disk space, you know, and, and photos will then like delete things to keep your disk free, but it's really confusing as to what it's actually doing. There's some, you guys spoke about this on upgrades. So I'm not going to rehash everything y'all said, but there's some sort of local cache. And, and I just worry that at some point it's, you sort of lose track where your photo actually is. And, you know, we spoke, I don't know, a month ago about how my iTunes match situation exploded after I moved my iTunes library. And it took forever to straighten that out. And I actually ran to an album today that's got screwy metadata. It has, like, random other tracks in it for some reason. Um, Why do you have to know where the photo is? The photo is in iCloud. Yeah, but, but that's is it? What, if, what if it goes wrong? So, or what so if like, your credit card doesn't renew your storage because Apple's charging you for it and you're, what that happens then? There's an opportunity. Or they're going it, to send you an email, I guess. To, to, to renew. But how many people have their, you know, like, we've, I mean, I'm sure one of us has done it at some point. I know I've done it where you have a recurring bill and your debit card changes and because it was stolen by Home Depot and then all of a sudden you're not paying your recurring thing. Like, there is the opportunity, I think, for photos to fall through the cracks in a system like this. It's even even possible between photo stream and your local albums. It's not real clear when something is locally stored and out of the photo stream. And I think that it's still a little too complicated. If if iTunes Match explodes and I suddenly have Mumford and Sons interleaved in a Kanye album, like that's super annoying, but I can deal with it because it's just music, right? I can go redownload it, I can sort it out. But if it if it takes photos of my kids and all of a sudden I'm missing some of them because uh, I thought they were on iCloud, so I deleted them off my local machine and really I deleted both copies, like that's not good. And I think Apple needs to really make this like fail safe. Like you cannot like there's got to be big alarms going off before you completely nuke something from existence. And and currently that's not true. And this is the first build, so there's lots of lots of things. Um right, so if you, that they do, could if you try to delete something, like it just deletes it, like you don't you don't know like necessarily where you're deleting it from and or it doesn't kind of say like you're deleting this from the cloud now, so it's gone forever. Like there is no backup yeah. of this photo, like understand that. Like Or or what happens, you know, like when um like what what if you have your photo library on two Macs and one Mac is offline for two weeks and like and they fall out of sync? Can it get it back updated uh, correctly? Even iTunes Match doesn't do that perfectly every time. And so there's a lot of like these weird edge cases when you have data locally and you have data in the cloud and there's some layer in between connecting them. Like it's got to be it's got to be flawless. It cannot photos cannot drop a file. It can't duplicate a file. Like it's got to be perfect, and I don't quite trust iCloud to do that yet. 
So like there's my my the thing that I don't like like is is it's kind of what you touched on is the idea of like um ambiguous deletion and and I get from like a a, a UI and a user experience perspective why that like it's just that just works metaphor you know that idea like so you've got 40 gigabytes of hard drive space oh and now you've only got 20 so we're going to take away some of your photos for you it's like i don't know how like because that's so hidden as in like how does it make those decisions there's just something about that that, that puts me on edge and yes in theory of course they're in they're in iCloud and it shouldn't I, be a problem. I'm, I'm sorry, guys. I still don't understand the, okay, let what's me, the problem here. Because it, the photos are in the cloud. But, what so, if, but, right, but the problem is, the problem is, <laughs> what if if something goes wrong? Like, let's, let's just say, and it will happen to people, like, that something's going to go wrong, right? Because it's not, you're not going to have a 100% success rate. Like, at some point, someone's going to have a problem where they're going to lose some files that are in the cloud. And if you keep them on a machine and you think that they might be there, but they're not because uh, the Photos app, so let's say let's say that you Federico Vitici, mm-hmm. you have fifty gigabytes of photos. That's all you have, right? Okay. Um, and you have a one hundred gigabyte hard drive. Now you've selected for Apple to like make sure that you've got the right space. And let's say that like well, well, well what I've selected. What, right. What so there's a, there's a setting in the in the photos app. Oh, okay, which, so there's stuff I don't understand. There's oh, a right, setting. Okay. Right. So there's a setting in the photos app that says effect effectively. Remove, on the Mac, on the Mac, on the Mac, Work. remove okay. remove files from this machine if I run low on hard space, hard hard drive space. Okay, so it like, removes iOS them from your machine. The same, yeah, iOS has the same setting actually. Optimize okay. storage. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. so let's say the, the files don't don't go away. It's like you, the when you tap a photo, it downloads the full resolution. No, so if you want to save storage, they remove the full resolution, and you still see the thumbnail. That then you can right. tap it and you redownload it. But but, so but what my simple. point is, like, let's say that you have files removed from your machine. You didn't necessarily know that they were gone because you still see the thumbnails, and then something goes wrong in the cloud, right? Something because mm. it's going to happen to some people. Then. And then you try and get those files back and they're not there anymore. Like that's just, I just have a concern about it because it's like, I don't, I personally don't like like the idea of it just, and I probably will never turn this setting on for, for it to just, or like remove things and put mm. things back and take them away. Like I will maybe have it like one machine that always keeps that setting on and it's just always got everything. But my concern is for like, the one family or like the one person who has an 11 inch MacBook Air with a small hard drive and they select that setting and then something goes wrong. Because the difference between like. I, I think you're overthinking it, honestly. Well, it's no. just a setting to remove the cache. All right. But, 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 but what yes, happens but, if the originals. <laughs> but then the originals or, aren't there then, are they? Like. No, the orig- but why are you thinking about originals? This is not like the Finder. You, you take a picture on your phone and it goes in iCloud and then it no, goes but to let's other not, devices. Okay, but let's talk about the pictures that you take on your D- DSLR. You put them into the oh, Photos Oh, but app. that's what all people do. Come on. It's, okay, you, you take, take a picture on your phone. Way. You take a picture on your phone of an important family occasion, right? And yeah. You put it on your Mac, and then you think that it's going to be there, and then a problem happens in iCloud, and the picture's not in iCloud anymore, and now the picture's no longer on your Mac. You no longer have that photo. I, I got lost there. I'm so, so, why would I take a picture on my phone and then connect it to a computer? To, to 
All right, so you take a picture I, I on your phone. I take a picture. The point is that I you don't take a picture you on your phone. This. Like no, because, uh, maybe I'm stupid. I I don't understand why I take a picture of, because I've been using iCloud for library for months. So I take a picture on my phone, and that's it. I'm done. The picture yeah, goes into iCloud, and that's when it works. It's just my uh, my. I have a concern just about. It. Forget it. We're not going to get through on this. There's no point. <laughs> why are you so, thinking so much about this? Because because here's pictures the thing. So here's the here's the here's the bottom line here, that you are trusting Apple, you're trusting iCloud with things that cannot be replaced, right? Like, and so it has to work perfectly. And so far, in very limited testing, it has. But let's just be real here. Apple is not the best cloud service company in the world. And so there is an opportunity if you don't have the originals on your disk and the originals are only in iCloud and you uh, stop paying or you somehow end up in a situation where you're in between and you don't have the originals, and something happens, you could be caught without your original images. And that is something that is, it might not be a big deal to some people, but is a huge deal to me, and a huge deal to a lot of people. And I, all I'm saying is that Apple has to prove to me that they have their word that I'm not going to say on the air together about these this file management stuff. And... The app is great. I actually really like the app, but I'm not sold that I'm going to ever choose the setting for to to optimize this space. I think I'm always going to have them on my local drive because that I can put my hands on it. I know where they're. I know that they are there, and I just I worry that Apple's language around it isn't clear enough. That's all I'm saying. I think if they can, I think I think they will. I think they will improve this to where it makes more sense to a user when they sit down knowing where their things are. Because if you don't know where your, your things are and you make a bad decision, you could lose your originals, right? And that that's bad. That's that thing. It's all we're saying. I think the how you end up there. There's a bunch of different ways, but ultimately, they've got to make it crystal clear so you can understand what's going on. Um. So, anyways. That all guys, that guys I'm so, I'm sorry I don't understand. No, no. I don't mean to sound like a like a like I don't believe you because I, I believe you have a problem. It's just I, I don't think I have the same problem, so it's difficult for me to understand. Like this uh, talk about the originals, uh, like I don't I don't follow what the problem is. Probably because I don't use a Mac, so that's I I think the main problem is my notion of. <laughs> file is different you don't, you don't have original i never <laughs> see that that's why i never see the actual file so i don't you, understand what's going on what is an original originals a long time what ago, is an original friend. i mean i just take a again i just take a picture and it goes to iCloud. while steven was talking so okay real talk while okay. steven was talking i opened the photos app on my phone and I went to two years ago, I tapped the little thumbnail, and there's a spinner in the bottom right, and it, and it loads for like three seconds, and then I see the original. Is that the original? Well, That's the original. Well, yeah, but we're talking about like a file that you can uh, see. Like a JPEG. Yes. Because uh. you kind of give that up. And if Apple yeah, were going yeah. to like delete the master copy from your machine, which they can... so you see the file on on the Mac, 
the you actual s- JPEG file of the photo? I think you still can. You can still open inspect the package and open it up, right? And you can yeah. see the file. Yes. Oh, okay. So why didn't you guys explain this to me? Before? Well, me and Stephen <laughs> understood it. <laughs> well, I didn't. Yeah. Clearly, I didn't. So, yeah. so, so there's um, sort of in conjunction with this, there's been a lot of conversation around the fact this is not a professional application. Now, it supports raw images you can import and sync raw images but you don't have a lot of the raw editing controls that you get in something like lightroom or bridge or photoshop and um what is a raw i always wonder what is a raw it's like a like um like a package of files uh it is a it is an image it's so raw is actually a term for a lot of different formats different camera vendors use different formats but basically it's an image that you have a lot more data to it. It's not a comp- it's it's not a compressed image like a JPEG is, and so you have a lot more editing capability. They're a lot bigger, a lot higher quality usually. Um, and Aperture and Lightroom can deal with raw files directly, but Aperture is going away. And there's this article over at iMore that is basically saying, you know, Photos is a sort of a consumer, maybe prosumer app, but it's not it's not a Lightroom competitor. The, the controls, the fine-grained controls you have in something like Lightroom you don't ex- don't exist here. Uh, and I agree with that, but what I think is interesting um is that there's sort of this idea of, you know, you have iMovie and you have Final Cut, you have GarageBand and you have Logic. Is something like Aperture going to make a comeback? Is there room, is there a reason for Apple to do a professional photos app at some point? Since they have one, they haven't really uh, cared about it in a long time. Like Aperture's pretty always, actually for a long time, Aperture's been in a pretty sorry state. Um, so I don't know, like, do you guys think Apple cares about the f- professional f- photographer anymore? Or do you think that they're just going to go middle of the road and and move on i think care is a is a is a too that's harsh a loaded, word. that's a loaded word that's and a loaded I, word and, but it is the word that everybody uses i, I think that it is it, it doesn't need to be high in apple's priorities anymore to provide and develop pro applications because there are lots well not lots but there are competitors right i think that it is potentially I'm sorry, Aperture users, a waste of Apple's resources to be competing with Adobe uh, to create something like Aperture. Um, and, and I genuinely feel like that that uh, my beloved logic will go that way one day. I, I think that Apple's time as being the, the vendor of the pro app, it doesn't need to exist anymore because the pro app vendors, they all have... Um, there are already there are all third party versions. You know there are third party competitors. Apple don't need to try and lock in the prof- the creative professional like they used to because that's kind of they're just there now. Like you don't need to have that advantage. Like I think they tried to and succeeded for many years, right? To get like the 
illustrators and the photographers and the audio professionals and stuff like by creating their own apps i think that apple's business is so focused in other markets and other areas now that continuing to devote so much time and resource to expensive apps when they don't even charge really expensive prices for them anymore i think it's kind of a a fool's errand for them and i think they're realizing that which is why they're starting to phase out or significantly re-architect these applications like Final Cut, for example, how that changed, if they even keep that going, but they changed it significantly. They did a similar kind of thing for Logic. Um, it, it had a massive overhaul. Um, and, and I think that stuff like Aperture is going to go away. I, eventually, I think Logic's going to go away and, and they're just going to start focusing on making their consumer apps like a good... Um, a good kind of place like like, you know the prosumer like try and make them fit in the middle somewhere but like trying to service that market completely i I don't think they need to consider dealing with anymore yeah i mean i I, i'm really divided on it i think that they could come back and do something professional i mean even with the um imac retina imac like videos like photographers yay but uh, I don't know. I think if if think if something does come, I think they're going to have photos, you know, fully rounded out and then and then move upstream. But uh, I don't think they necessarily have to. Um, I think mostly because professional photographers don't really like this this sort of idea of like I want to sync all my files around all my devices. Like that doesn't really appeal to a lot of professional photographers at least that i know that they need the editing tools and they already have their own crazy storage system and photos is very much about the storage system so maybe it is a uh sort of a different like philosophical issue that they've got to deal with as well but um i don't know I, just, I thought it was interesting i think that it's fine that this is consumer oriented i think it needs to be but um we'll see where they go in the future i guess i just i don't have thoughts well, I mean, you're again. It's it's totally different for you. I mean, yeah. Do you, do so you want difficult. to see like Apple start to create professional level applications for iOS? Yeah, of course. I mean, if people ask for it, if there's a a market for professional users and photography, I guess. But I mean, I mean. There's always the third party ecosystem. Yeah, that, that that's long... kind of what I what I wonder. Like, is third a third parties better to service that market than Apple? I, yeah, I believe probably yes. as long as as Apple makes solid APIs, that's bigger concern for me. Mm-hmm. As long as they allow other people to go where they don't want to go, I think it's better because they seem, especially in the past few years, they they seem that they've moved away from the pro market to let more like norm normals normal people do basic stuff in a decent way rather than have no solution for the like the stupid people like me and have aperture or iPhoto which was one professional and the other too complex mm-hmm. now they have the photos app which is for every everybody and so if they don't want to spend resources and time to do a new aperture Maybe they can just do the APIs and let Adobe do Lightroom and, you know, that kind of stuff. Yeah. I think it's better. So Apple doesn't do half-baked solutions everywhere. They do one simple solution for everybody and they let other people... That's the thing about the App Store. It lets people do stuff. 
Yeah, it's I think nice. it's fundamentally a better way of, for Apple to do business is to is to focus themselves they, that way. They cannot cover every possible no. market. So so just, just do as much as you can to the best of your abilities rather than kind of like half-assing both. Yeah. From my perspective, it seems better, I think. Arguably, that's what they were doing with photos anyway. I don't know how good Aperture was, but I know a lot of people, a lot of people that I know and trust their opinion in those things were using Lightroom. Um, and I, I, I remember could I, never go near iPhoto. Yeah, I tried to use iPhoto on, on, on the Mac before. My girlfriend still uses iPhoto on the Mac. I don't know how she does it. Um, I tried to use iPhoto on iOS uh, two years ago when it came out. It was so confusing. Like, yeah. like it, it, there, there were like different interfaces all over the place. Uh, and it was not just about the skeuomorphic uh, stuff. It was, it was really difficult to use and to understand and to browse. It was super awkward. And now the Photos app, it's just... I mean, there's a few things I don't like about the Photos app, like the way that it doesn't let you see photos on a map. Um, I know you can enter the details for uh, like a specific section of uh, what is called the moment in the, in, the, in the view, in the Photos view. You can view a moment on a map, but you cannot view every single photo on a map like you can do like, like in day one. You can see all your photos from all your ears in your collection on a map. There's a few things I don't like, but overall it's much better. And for me, it's been super, like, like it's been, uh, and I mean this in a, in a good way, it's been really nothing. I don't have to think about it. It's just there. Like it's supposed to do. It's supposed to be there and it does the stuff for me. And I just take a picture and the picture is everywhere. And then I tap it and it don't, you know, it's what it's supposed to be. Um, and I'm paying a euro a month. So I, I guess that's a good price. It should be free. It's kind of awkward that it's not free. Uh, it should be free, I think, 20 gigs at least. Uh, but whatever, you know. Um, again, I think over the years I, I've kind of become stupid in a way uh, because I used to do, you know, the Finder, JPEGs, and the... the I mean, at, at one point I had a PHP script like I'm some sort of bizarro Marco Arment, um, a PHP script to, to move my photos around. Um, and now I'm just letting iCloud sync my picture, uh, my pictures. And I know that um, many people have uh, horror stories about uh, Apple photo apps deleting pictures. Um, <laughs> uh, I don't, there's my friend uh, Nate uh, on Twitter. He had his iPhoto library uh, wiped clean by iPhoto a couple of years ago. That was scary. That's uh, but fine. now, yeah, <laughs> uh, now <laughs> that's uh, why you need the originals. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'm just saying now. iCloud Photo Library has been, you know, it's there. Yeah, and it works. Uh, so I'm happy so far. Hopefully, they won't. They won't. You know, screw it up. They they won't do any anything stupid. To, to iCloud. I don't know. I think it, I, to answer your question, Mike, I think it's a better solution to let most people have something that works rather than different segments with something they're not really happy with. Yeah. And, and to maybe to round this out, um, the upside of all of this is that you, if you use the iCloud stuff, you do have a backup of your images which is more than what most people have <laughs> currently, I think. So there are, there is like, 
there's a lot of upside to this. Uh, we'd, I don't mean to throw cold water over the whole thing. I just need Apple to prove that they can be trusted with it. But I think for a lot of people, it is going to give them another layer of protection they don't have currently. Uh, I don't know how many people I've seen over the years doing tech support who lose documents, and the first thing they ask is about you lose data, and the first thing they ask about is is photos when a hard drive crashes or something like that. So I think there's a lot of upside to this. Um, I do wish that it was not that the storage was free. Um, you do have to pay for iCloud storage still. It's much more reasonable than it used to be, and you can pay for a lot more than you used to be able to. But it's still something that I think that Apple should... Um, I think Apple should should throw this in for people, especially if they want this to take off. Uh, if it's if it's behind a paid thing, um, you know, if you're if you're paying ten bucks a month or five hundred gigs of storage, it's going to turn a lot of people off. And so I would like to see them address that, but I don't really have any anticipation that they actually will. I still subscribe. You know, you know actually, I I have a thought. If if you guys don't mind. There, there is one thing I, I, I'm not happy with about iCloud is that they don't explain iCloud to people. Like, I know that there's the website and they have sections in the settings, but like every time my friends and my family, they come to me and they ask me, what is iCloud? Am I supposed to pay? Because it says that I'm over the five gigabytes. And I think, especially for photos, they should like have some sort of explanatory video on iPhones and iPads. And with simple words, they tell you, you enable this iCloud for library and all your photos go into iCloud and you don't need to delete photos from your device anymore to make space for something else. Because all the time... I see, for instance, I'm going to a concert, right? And my friend says, oh, I cannot shoot a video because people record videos of live performances. I cannot shoot video because I need to delete some photos. And so they go through the the camera roll and maybe like they do these sort of weird magic tricks. They They send pictures over WhatsApp to somebody else as a backup. (laughs) <laughs> That's crazy. So they, they send the picture and then they delete the picture so they can have more space for the video. So they need some sort of simple, human, non-geeky explanation that says, you enable this feature, you give us $1 every month and we store your pictures. And, and it needs to be an explanation that my mom doesn't need to go to the Apple website. My father doesn't need to go to Mac Stories and read the crazy guy talking about iCloud. It needs to be there and need to explain to people what it is. Because I think right now, Apple always has done this sort of explanations of iCloud. And people still don't get it. So I think there needs to be a simple way, maybe make it like the trackpad videos they have in OS X to explain the gestures. They actually show you a hand doing the gestures. So show me somebody with iCloud. Show me Tim Cook walking into a server room or whatever, indicating, like pointing his finger to, to a server rack or something. Show me a video of what is iCloud. 
And 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 I think that that sounds so stupid and maybe kind of gross to, to show me a video, uh, but I think most people still don't get iCloud. I, they, they they won't get iCloud photo library, especially after all the confusion of photo stream and whatever. Just make it simple. Exp make it simple. Explain it even simpler, if it makes sense. Yeah, I don't disagree at all. I think it's overwhelming to approach it because it, it is so many things. Right, like iCloud is a collection yeah. of, I don't even know how many, 10 features at this point or something. So I think you're absolutely right. There's a lot of room for improvement uh, on that front. That WhatsApp thing, like I can totally see that happening. And it's like the, <laughs> the things people do like with computers is terrifying. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Yeah, some like uh, I think it was last year. Um, I I went to I went to this concert with a with a group of friends, and they started uh, sending pictures as attachments over email, and then they deleted the pictures uh, from the photo library because they wanted to, to take a video, and then they said the video will go to Facebook. So when the video is on Facebook. Uh, then I delete the video oh. from, from from. Oh my god! Oh no! Oh, no please stop! Uh, <laughs> but yeah, uh, they do uh, they do crazy things. All right, we still have one more thing we want to get to, uh, but before we do that, let me thank our final sponsor this week. This episode is brought to you by our friends at Smile, and today I want to talk to you about PDF Pen Pro. 7. PDF Pen Pro 7 is a new update that brings new fantastic professional features to Smile's versatile PDF editor for OS X, including the ability to edit OCR text from scanned pages, um, exporting to Excel, PowerPoint, and PDF archive formats, and PDF form creation with interactive signature fields. PDF Pen Pro 7 also includes these new features that are also found uh, in PDF Pen 7, which is the standard version, because PDF Pen, PDF Pen 7 and then PDF Pen Pro 7. So Pro 7 has those things I just mentioned, and then standard PDF Pen 7 uh, has an updated modern Yosemite design. Of course, so does Pro 7. OCR text proofing for scan pages, context-sensitive pop-up menus for quick editing functions, performance improvements in loading and saving your documents and compatibility of iCloud Drive, allowing you to access your files everywhere, and so much more. I use PDF Pen Pro a bunch. Um, it's it's kind of one of those things, again, like I mentioned Microsoft Office earlier, that when you start running a business, like after a couple of weeks, I'm like, oh, I need, you know, I need PDF pen all the time now because contracts come through or like I get these documents that are sent to me in weird file formats and I just want to make a PDF out of them and maybe change some bits and bobs here and there. Like you can open Word files and export them as PDFs, which I like to do. So then I can view them really easily and quickly. Also, our friend of the internet, Sir David Sparks, he's done a great set of videos that show the great power of PDF Pen Pro 7 and PDF Pen 7. These can be found at Smile's website as well. But this is kind of one of those apps that, like, if you do anything with PDFs, you ever fill out any forms or anything like that, this is an app that you need. And it's kind of one of those apps that once you have it, you start to realize how many more things you can do with it. So, PDF Pen is totally essential. I think it's something that should be in many people's Mac toolkit, and it's something that you should be thinking about if you haven't looked at it before. So go and find out more about PDF Pen Pro 7 and PDF Pen 7 from Smile at smilesoftware.com slash connected. Thank you so much to Smile for their support of this episode.
So Tim Cook, a guy you might have heard of, um, spoke, I guess, yesterday at a Goldman Sachs conference. And iMore has a link to, um, basically, they, I guess they listened and what's the, what is the word I'm looking for? Transcribed. Uh, transcribed Tim Cook's comments and it's super long and there's some interesting things in here and I thought maybe we could just talk about some points that jumped out at us. Before we do that, I want to. Before just, we do that, I want to. I want to mention how this happened for me this morning. So, Steve, I knew that this call was happening because I was seeing some of the headlines, and then I kind of I opened my uh, iPhone this morning, and and you'd sent me a link, and was like, read this for the show, and I'm like, okay, no worries. I open it up and I start reading, like, and I'm scrolling through, scrolling through a couple of paragraphs through, and I look at the scroll bar, and I'm like, oh my lord how long is this like yeah. it's like six thousand words or something like it's a full transcription of like a 40 minute talk so then mm-hmm. i started looking around online for the audio version <laughs> right because i was like this, he, there must be audio of this and i don't want to read this so i'm looking around online and i could only find like the live stream audio you know, on Apple's website. So I started listening to that. That was 45 minutes that run for. I was like, oh, it's probably be faster for me to read it. So then I thought, oh, maybe somebody's huff-duffed it. So then I could like put it into Overcast and do it at double speed. No, they hadn't. So I then remembered friend of the show, Mr. Matthew Bischoff's app, Velocity, which is a speed reading app. So I put it in Velocity Excellent. and I had it done in 15 minutes. And Quite I, a I'm workflow gonna, you got there. I've, it's a my, whole my. thing that I had. And and I felt I felt happy about myself because I found a way to uh, that was a life hack. Actually. Do you wanna do you wanna do you wanna write us for Mac stories? If you wanna it? just transcribe what I just said, <laughs> then you can have it. I'm not writing it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um. Okay. So he, we can just kind of blast through this. He starts off with sort of a. So Apple's coming off their strongest quarter ever, which we really didn't talk about. It kind of fell in between shows for us a little bit. But basically, Apple sold all the things and made all the money. Yeah, and, and during, during this talk as well, like Apple reached their highest market cap of all time, right? Yeah, which is just nuts. Um, so he's talking about hardware, he's talking about software. But what I really came away from this beginning part is that he talks about services a lot. He talks about HealthKit and HomeKit and CarPlay. And really, I think only the first one of those is doing anything. Like, I haven't heard much about HomeKit. You know, CarPlay is like a thing, but maybe not very good. Uh, it's surprising that he pushed them so hard. Um, you know, I did find myself kind of thinking, oh, yeah, they did do all that stuff. Like they did. I, like, I just totally forgotten about these things and was like, yeah, okay. It's in theory very ambitious. It just hasn't. Just not much has been done with it yet, you know? It's just because you don't have a car. Or a home. <laughs> or what a if your car. Oh, yeah, your car, I have no help. <laughs> what if your car is your home? Then so I guess of, home, kit, health kit, and two car and play one. work well. You two know, birds and, with one stone. <laughs> yeah. So is it that um, this stuff is just going to be in a long cycle and it's going to be a little while before you really see, like, HomeKit take off? Um, is it that HealthKit was so bad at launch that developers are afraid of it and haven't integrated with it yet? Is it that CarPlay is only reserved in new cars and a lot of people don't buy brand new cars? Like, I don't know. Like, clearly this stuff is not making a big impact now, but maybe it will in the future or maybe it will just fizzle out. Like, I don't know, iDVD themes. Like, I don't know. It's, 
It's just weird that he pushed it as hard as he did. Are you are you comparing um, people's health to IDVD themes? That was a time people uh, cared about IDVD themes, you know. And now it's not. And now nobody cares poor, about poor their health. ID, poor IDVD. <laughs> I uh, I looked at especially the health. I just kit. think it's funny he picked IDVD of all <laughs> failed I don't projects. Know. It's just like a thing that like uh, was a thing and now it's not, right? Yeah, I don't know. Listening yeah. to oh, listening, reading Tim say this stuff, like uh, I I it did make me think about health kit as like really something that will come into its own with the, with the Apple Watch and yeah. That that's when it will start to become sensible. Like he mentioned sure. one thing um, that I don't know if I knew this or I'd forgotten about this. Like about how the Apple Watch will tap you on the wrist if you're sitting down for too long, and it's like I really want that. Yes, like, yeah, that's exactly. something I need, and I like that. And and it did, you know, that taptic feedback thing. Like I'm really interested in that because the word like it taps you. I mean, okay, like I don't I don't think that we can fully understand how that feels until that happens you know because feels like feels like tim cook is holding your hand i mean just working which is exactly what i want so <laughs> okay we're all good here so car- carry on steven i think it's just like a just tap your wrist um so he goes from that talks about ibm which is boring talks about the environment and this uh, they make an announcement uh, with their first solar partnership, do you guys see this? They're building a uh, a yeah. new solar farm that's Elon like thirteen hundred acres with rockets. It will it will be quite a story. Maybe just rockets. Uh, it's to power the uh, the Apple Campus Two, um, which is really cool, and some other things. I mean, it it reminded me of the when was it a couple of years ago when someone was like badgering Tim Cook in a meeting about like that the environmental stuff wasn't a good use of money and he was like if you all you care about the RIs get out of the stock, right? Like this so far to me like if you zoom way out on Apple and Tim Cook's leadership, like the two things that stand out are the watch and his relentless push for um, Apple I, I would a more also green throw diversity entity. into the mix there as well. Yeah, I think it's great. Um, I think that's been another key thing. Yes, oh. the intersection of diversity. No, he actually he actually power. told the people in the audience yeah. that they needed to have more women, yeah. which was kind of awesome. Yeah. He threw a sick burn in, like for no reason. Yeah. I loved it. I loved it. <laughs> He's just like, yeah, there's there's a lot of guys here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's like on the stage. He's like, "Oh, by the way, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you guys, <laughs> Goldman Sachs. Uh, these are the same. Do you, do you guys ever uh, seen the Twitter account yeah. um, GS Elevator, the Goldman Sachs Elevator? It's like tweets for people from mm-hmm. the Goldman Sachs. It's oh. awful, awful things they say in the elevator of uh, Goldman Sachs office, whatever building. I don't know. It's a funny Twitter account. I'll put it in the show notes." GS Elevator, yeah. Looking. Uh, GS Elevator. So he talks a little bit. He kind of moves from that and talks about the watch. And um, basically says that it's sort of like next in line with iPod, iPhone, iPad levels of importance. Which, uh, I don't know if we talked about it. So sometimes I get confused. As we said something or I hear it on another podcast. So forgive me. But... They're very confident about the watch and like 
even in this thing, saying that it's going to be like as impactful as these other devices is pretty bold. Yeah, with, with with MG, was it? I I black out during many podcasts. Um, do you guys see that? Like, do you think that like in ten years the watch is going to make? I can't see this it right difference now. The I think, iPod and I think did? they're being too confident. Like the confidence says something, which might be good that they believe in it. Uh, I don't see it like being. Like, you know how they, during the watch announcement, they show, you know, they show, like, we had these three breakthrough things, you know? Like, and they show, like, the Mac and the iPod and the iPhone. I don't think in 20 years the watch is going to be one of those. Like, I just don't see it. I think the work they're doing on the watch rather than the watch itself as a device, as a name will make an impact in history. That's a good I think, point, yeah. I think the work on wearable and like, because you're going to end up with a computer on your skin anyway. That I think that's a fact, personally. So I think the work will be remembered more than the brand. Yeah, which is probably sense. not how it will be for the Mac. Like, it's not how it's going to be for the Mac or the iPhone. Like, we'll remember those products, but maybe yeah. like, we'll... we'll basically they'll say like you know if you remember we started this with a watch but even to an extent you already doing the same with the ipod and the iphone because part of the the, the iphone comes from the ipod you know what you know what i'm trying to say that well, basically yeah i mean like it'll set this maybe the, there will be the apple watch and then after the apple watch like a big wearable thing and then like the Apple Watch will be remembered, but there will be the next thing based on the Apple Watch. It'll be like the iPhone because the iPod surely changed history and music, but the iPhone really changed society. You know, mm-hmm. that's I think I'll I'll go down in history. I don't know. I think that's fair. Um... I think what the watch lacks of those other things have is a unique interface. Like the watch is still touch, right? Like you have the digital crown, but it's only used in certain situations where the mouse, the click wheel and using your finger were so defining to those original products. I just don't see the watch having that same sort of weight historically, but we're on this side of it. So ask me again when I'm, Mm -hmm. You know, 10, 15 years You will years be down like 70. Um, <laughs> <laughs> At least 85. You sure you, you'll still be able to podcast um, <laughs> 15 years? Just, just wondering. Maybe. <laughs> yeah. Just turn the oxygen down lower so you don't hear it. Um, he has this quote after this, and um, uh, he says... You know, Tim's been with Apple since like 97. He, he came back. He came to Apple after Steve came back, right after Steve came back. And he says, I'm not a historian, so I can't tell you about the beginning of time, but I really don't think Apple was ever a hardware company. Um, basically saying that Apple, he views Apple as a software company first, which is something Steve Jobs said several times. And it's something that I think even in talking with photos just a couple of minutes ago, I do think that Apple views itself as a software company first and that the hardware is just a means to an end that the iPhone is what it is. So iOS can, I be don't disagree with that, what it is, but they, that makes sense. For, for a software company, they really treat their hardware. Well, you know, like it's not like that. They're just kind of like, 
uh, we just make a phone. Like they're like, look at the diamond cut chamfer edge. Like, and and I I'm not saying it's not a criticism. Uh, it's just interesting. Like a company, like because you know, yeah. arguably at the moment they're doing hardware better than software. Uh, you know, that people don't complain about the way that their iPhones are put together as much as they complain about the way that their phones crash. Yeah, and I think maybe a more appropriate way of saying it now is that mm-hmm. Apple is a user experience company. That it is, uh, even like again with photos, Apple is trying to blur the lines between software and service. That you don't really know where the application ends and the cloud begins. And while I might have issues with that at times, it's hard to argue that it is um, a bad thing in the grand scheme of things to, to merge services and software. And I think Apple very clearly their stuff works better when you have iCloud turned on or, you know, same way that Android works a lot better if you have a Google account. So that's a a trend overall in the industry, but I think Apple is out there in front. Um, It jumped out at me in reading the transcript because it's, it's something that, that job said, um, it's old Alan Kay quote that if you want to be serious about, or if you want to write your own software, you have to be serious about hardware. Tim should have um, called you for the historian. I just think it's interesting. Yeah. I think it's easier yeah. to test What's up with that? hardware than it is to put together good software. Oh, for sure. I mean, I, I I was kind of poking fun, but like it's just an interesting thing that I find that, yes, I agree they're a software company, but like they the hardware is not, it's not like as a software company they don't care about hardware, you know, because they clearly do because they go they, to yeah. much larger lengths than anybody else. That was kind of my point, and then I was kind of poking fun. I, I think people would be really, really concerned if Apple's hardware started to be of lesser quality, you know, like yeah. if iPhones started, not the stupid gates that there are every year, like if iPhones started to like to. F- you know, to have like cracked screens for no reasons, or like, uh, yeah, but for real, or you can bend them. <laughs> like, ah. like it would be that would be a problem because people <laughs> just expect the Apple hardware to be, to be. I guess that, that it's not a something you need to worry about. Uh, even if people, even if people buy a lot of iPhone cases. That's another another thing I noticed. I, all like I I bought a case myself eventually. Um, people really protect their Apple hardware. I think. Wait, you have an I iPhone case on now? About this? On you mentioned show? it on Twitter. <gasps> no, guys. Yes. Oh, did you? You badgered me on Where's using my, my phone? phone. I believe yes. you said as Johnny. No, no, no. I, I changed ended. my. Oh, come on! I never told you this. This is serious. This is serious follow-up. Misplaced follow-up. So, um, yeah, uh, basically, um, my uh, after long consideration, the phone inside the case is ugly. Like it's so like I don't see the phone, and I'm sad, and I'm resisting the temptation of like holding my phone as Johnny I've intended. And basically, my problem is that I'm too clumsy. And I, I was dropping my phone, my iPhone 6, consistently almost every day. So in spite of my um, 
philosophical uh, belief that phones, and especially iPhones, should be naked as men are when they come into this world. Um, in spite of that, <laughs> I I had to I had to to put my phone in a case. Also, like people, <laughs> to, Federico, to, we to wear not... clothes. <laughs> you know. Yeah, that that's that that. Come on, that that done. Why do you need to be so? What's a good adjective for you, Michael? Uh, precise? Yeah, we'll go with that. That's a better Are one you a I precise you person? Say. Okay, yeah. I'm trying to be polite, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so I put my phone in the case because otherwise I don't want to, you know, throw my money out of the window, Steven. It's like a, it, this thing, this 64 iPhone 6 cost me like 800 euros, probably more. Yes, that's like... With the new uh, dollar exchange rates, dollars. that's like yes, that's like a trillion a trillion dollars, Benjamins, dollars, and so I still I disagree with myself. Basically, did the phone looks ugly in this thing? I bought a silicon case, an Apple silicon case because I like the Apple logo. What color? On, on, uh, uh, black, okay. I think dark, dark space gray, whatever, um, black. And um, I don't like it, uh, but but I had to. But my point is that people uh, really use their imagination when they buy iPhone cases. And I saw people with with iPhones inside like cases with all with whole uh, like structures on them, like little objects popping out of the case, like um, like. Like bunny ears. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you ever seen this? I've seen bunny like, ear iPhone cases a lot. Yes. Yeah. And there's there's like cases with whole uh, stuff going on. You know, there's like themed cases. You should get a so color. Th- you should get a color, no, that's, man. It improves your life. That, that's too crazy. Got, right? I, that's, I got a red one, and I love it. Mm, no, no, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not a color guy. I'm, I I like. What about a Apple Watch case? Mm-hmm. Kind of snaps on around. So basically, yes, Stephen. Um, I I have my phone in the case, and I feel like a like a terrible person. Wow. I I feel terrible for this because that my my friends my friends are like, oh, you put the iPhone yeah, in the case my- so because because I made fun of my friends, you know, for for years. For a... yeah, yeah. Well, the six is slippery. It's just like a little stone. I think that you also just, growing like, up, I, I, I I've become more. Um, it's no good. Inefficient at using my hands in general. <laughs> I'm so sorry to hear that. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's really rough. I mean, you should go to handling the objects. Okay. <laughs> I think we're done. I think we're done. <laughs> so, yes, I bought a case. The case of the teaches, yeah. <laughs> Do we have anything more? Do we have? Are we done? Are we are. Yeah. The, can okay. I do one more Tim Cook quote? We'll skip the rest of it. It's fine. He talks about China and Apple Pay and lots of other things. But he says, five years ago, we were less than a billion dollars in revenue. In the last twelve months, we were at thirty-eight billion. <laughs> That's insane. 
right? It's, like it's a whole thing. Like I, that, that the uh, amount of money. I, like it's just it's, you might as well just say, and we made gibbet. Like it doesn't it doesn't even mean anything anymore. It's so <laughs> much money. It's just an inconceivable amount of money. Like imagine the the iCloud storage they could uh, gift to people. Exactly. <laughs> If you want to find the show notes for this week's episode, then you should point your web browser I over think- to relay.fm slash connected slash 26. Um, if you want to find us on Twitter, there's a couple of ways you can do that. Uh, we have an account for the show. It's underscore connected FM. Stephen does a great job of keeping user engagement high with <laughs> ever-increasing levels of customer sat uh, via the social engagement platform. I can't even hear you anymore. Uh, we're also individually on Twitter. Uh, Stephen is at ISMH and, St- and Federico is at Fatici, V I T I C C I. I am at iMike, I M Y K E. Federico writes the fantastic MacStories.net and Stephen the equally fantastic 512pixels.net. Uh, we'll all be back next week for another episode of your favorite podcast about Apple on the planet. Um, (laughs) (laughs) thanks again to our sponsors this week pdf pen pro 7 from smile hover and automatic but most of all thank you for listening until then say goodbye gentlemen (laughs) bye adios (laughs) i got crazy (laughs)